On today's episode of Riding the 3x3, Patrick Fetch and I, Russ Heltman, dive into NFL Week 13, some wild business happening at the top of the NFL draft. We had some big upsets happening from the New York Giants and the Washington football team. So much to get to with Mr. Fetch. And as always, we have our MVPs and fumbles of the week to close out the show. You can catch us on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Throw us a five-star review and subscribe. You know the deal to help supporting the writing, the 3 by 3 movement. Let's get in the lane, number one. Cruising in the lane number one on this week 13 NFL recap edition of Riding the 3x3. I'm your host, Russ Heltman, joined across the line by Patrick Fetch. We uh, are moments away from the end of the first edition of Monday Night Football here on December 7th. The Washington football team pulls off the upset. They go into Heinz Field and defeat the previously undefeated 11-0 11-0 Pittsburgh Steelers hand them their first loss of the season. Pat, we pushed back the recording time, thankfully, because you wanted to watch your team play. Thought, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll start the uh, start the recording sometime third quarter. You know, they started up 14-0, but an unprecedented loss at home after taking a two-touchdown lead, Pat. I knew it was going to be a good game, Russ. You know, I knew the Redskins, tough defense, stout. Ron Rivera's a great coach. He keeps games close. He knows how to have his teams play complimentary football, have his teams ready to play. You know, if you're going to lose, lose in the regular season. You know, Russ, if you're going to lose, it's better <laughs> to go. lose now. You don't want to lose later. It was a team that was destined to loss. Everyone was saying that, you know, they're the worst 11-0 team in history. I'm not too sure about that. They haven't looked great. They're banged up. They've lost Dupree. They've lost Devin Bush. Their wide receivers are, let's say, unfocused right now. What's up with Juju Smusher? He uh we can't seem to get him the ball downfield or really anybody the ball downfield today. That was an issue. Can't get anybody. <laughs> can't get anybody the ball downfield whatsoever. Deontay Johnson and Juju have been they've been relying on them both to make a lot of contested catches, a lot of catches over the middle, and really just win a lot of matchup battles. That's really been the entire offense so far. And look, they've got the receivers, they got the skill players. They've been able to do that. But the offense has felt very lazy in past weeks. It's felt very uncreative. Uh, Last year, it was a very simple offense. It was almost like a high school offense, and you put a lot of that on the quarterback. Well, now the quarterback is pretty much the offensive coordinator in Big Ben. He's calling a lot of the shots here. And while I understand them using the passing game as an extension of the run game because they're having so many struggles there. Taking that to the extreme. Taking it to the extreme, and it is ugly, right? Just so many short passes, and it's becoming very easy for defenses to just play downhill. And when you're a receiver, you hate that. You're getting hit hard. You're getting hit a lot. As a quarterback, it makes you tentative because that's when the interceptions come. And even though Ben hasn't made the miserable throws, this you know it was the first time he did throw the back the back breaking interception late. Even though a tip ball. A little bit, you know, not as bad as some of the ones last year. But yeah, I'm not going to fault Ben too much on that one. but I will just... fault him because, I will fault him because, like I just said, the extension of that running game, the ability for these DNs who, okay, I'm not going to put my nose down and rush as hard as I can because Ben's getting the ball out of his hands but under two seconds every time. Mm-hmm. I can just sit back and play basketball, right? Play volleyball. Hit the spike down. That's all they're doing. And it is it is worrisome because those create those batted ball interceptions they just need some more 
some more burst in that offense. I don't know if it's James Conner coming back. They obviously they, need some sort need of running game. But it was bad before been, James Conner left. And what's today? 14 carries for 21 yards, Pat. When they got the ball back down, uh, what was it, three points with um, with about two minutes left to play, They everybody and their mother knew what they were going to do, even though a balanced offense with multiple timeouts still had the ability to go out there and run something something sort of a, of a balanced attack with with the mixed in of the run game there but Anthony McFarlane he was their leading rusher with four carries for 15 yards it wasn't much better on the other side for Washington but it was the key situations that Washington won in this game the goal line stand earlier on to uh to really flip the momentum after things were looking like they were going to slip away from the football team and then just a lot of short yardage mistakes the Steelers and Kansas City which we'll get into with their game uh, last night against the uh, Denver Broncos, having some issues there too. But that knocks out the first half of the Monday night slate. The Pittsburgh Steelers go if down. If I can't say one thing, though, yeah, let's ahead, give Pat. some credit. I did listen to an interview with David DeCastro. He wanted uh, somebody asked him about just sort of the odd formations that the Washington football team runs, but more so just the front five that they can put down on the D line. Yeah, Montez from- Sweat, Allen. And, uh, Darren Chase Young. Payne, Chase Young, unbelievable. They've got some dogs up front that just terrorize offensive lines. And today they won, like you just mentioned, those key matchups and a lot of huge, huge downs. They just they won over the Steelers' offensive line. That they did, and and great job in coverage today. Eight passes defense. They mixed in two quarterback hits. Didn't necessarily didn't get to Big Ben uh, for any sacks, but five tackles for loss tossed in there too. A lot of action going on throughout that Washington defense. And uh, it's a it's a defense that's trying to keep pace now at five and seven and a, a tie atop the NFC East. Although the Giants, the upstart Giants, pulling off the second or the biggest upset of the week, following the second biggest upset of the week that we just recapped with Washington going on the road to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in Heinz Field. I'll take the reins here. I got the first half of the Sunday slate. No Thursday night football game because of all the COVID issues over the past couple of weeks. Got a couple of. Uh, Monday, I got a Monday night doubleheader with the Bills and Niners going on on the TV screen right in front of me right now. And then we have the Ravens battling the Cowboys on Tuesday evening. Let's just, we got to get the ugliness out of the way. We'll get some of the bad ones up from the 1 p.m. window off the, uh, off, the, off the burner first. Starting with my football team, the Cincinnati Bengals, who had one of the most pitiful offensive showings I've ever seen from not only the Bengals, but any football team on this planet Earth. 181 yards at one point in the second half to negative four for the Cincinnati Bengals. They lose 19-7 to to Miami. There was five ejections in this game, three Dolphins, two Bengals. Some weird questionable calls here and there, whatever. The Bengals are an abject disaster. It's gone from, all right, they can be competitive here and there, to just embarrassing left and right they cannot figure out any way to get any semblance of offense going like three three billion three billion dudes on this planet pat three billion men seven billion humans and we got brandon allen and ryan finley backing up joe burrow who uh in the offseason was apparently all good to go no need to get another backup no need to bring in a veteran according to uh that that uh that maven that coaching that coaching genius, Zach Taylor, who is now 0-15-1 on the road. Pat, one loss away from setting the all-time mark, along with Marty Morningwig, for the most consecutive road losses to start an NFL head coaching career. 
He uh, put together that little puppy back in 2001 with the Lions. And that's essentially what the Bengals are now, Pat, because they need to make the decision. Do you pull the plug now on Zach Taylor? Yes, you do. You do it as soon as possible. Or do you let the lame duck coach go into another season to give him that old three strikes and you're out college try? I don't think that's the right move. The Lions clearly made a mistake doing that. The Bengals cannot afford to do that this time around, especially with that very valuable rookie contract ticking away. Well, you mentioned the lack of backup, lack of veteran backup quarterback. How about just an overall general lack of veteran presence on this Bengals team and a whole? I mean, the only veteran presence they really have is like Von Bell, who might be, you know, the the, the one long-standing like, man. But he's you a think fifth-year player, so like, like. But they've Von they, Bell you know, and Jesse Bates are their veteran leaders. Like Geno Atkins, the dude, the dude came in for an injured guy that was on the street in August right. this weekend. And then A.J. Green, second straight game, Pat, without a catch. So, yeah, not good. And it's I think the point being that I was making is just that Zach Taylor's lost all of the veteran leadership that he had, whether it's him losing that side of the locker room mm-hmm. or just the lack of respect or what it is. But you mentioned it, A.J. Green, Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, who's now gone. Um, they're just, right, I think that's a huge red flag in itself, the fact that he wasn't able to rally those guys to help build around such a hopeful young quarterback in Joe Burrow. Yeah, and on top of that, you would think one of Zach Taylor's 77 coaches would have been able to tell him that, yeah, maybe we could use a veteran presence here at quarterback just to help lead this whole operation because I guess as much help as he has, it's still not enough. The eighth pick of the season, hats off to Xavier Howard for notching that total this this far or this close into the season, um, being the leader in the NFL. It was one of the easiest interceptions he'll probably have in his career, Pat. That Brandon Allen deep ball was a throw that I think any human being after like three months of practice throwing a football could make. Like, you can't tell me Blake Bortles wasn't available and wouldn't have but gladly came in to give some veteran presence, veteran leadership in the offseason. Joe Flacco. At that, Joe Flacco accepted a deal with the Jets and Adam Gase. You can't tell me he wouldn't have gone to the Cincinnati Bengals. So yeah, he's put in much better time than any of these guys from the yeah. Bengals. Well, like Joe Flacco's been horrible with the Jets, but he's at least like a warm body. These guys are cold; they're dead. When you poke them with sticks, they don't move. Pat, like <laughs> dead last in EPA on offense, dead last in expected points added since the bye week. Since they beat the Tennessee Titans, everything seemingly turning around. This Zach Taylor offense has cratered. And you know what? Hats off to the Miami Dolphins. They did a great job on defense. Um, What's fourth, up, Russ? fourth game in five weeks, Pat, that the Bengals give up 20 points or less, and they can't capitalize. So is there is there a coach you have your you have your eyes on? I think that might be my homework for you is next week. Bring bring us bring me and the people a coach that we can start championing. Right, that's what we'll do. Instead Zach of talking Taylor. about the Bengals game, which they're going to lose, who they play next week, the the, oh, the Andy <laughs> Dalton reunion. All right, we'll talk about that for a second. But I'll have my coaching my coaching uh, okay. choice ready to go for that one. Okay. All right, moving along. I think the only other thing, only other thing I took from that game was my guy Lynn Bowden Jr. is yeah. now Miami Dolphin. When did that happen? And he looks. I sit in one of the group chats. He had a couple splash plays. Yeah, he was moving the ball a little bit, and it looks like he moves in slow motion when he's got the ball. Like he's got a weird. <laughs> he's got that weird gliding like. Uber athletic effect on the screen. Sure, that was sure. cool to see. I, I loved watching him play at the University of Kentucky last year, doing all the Swiss Army knife stuff for them at quarterback. Alrighty, a little comeback here, a little uh, 
a little we had a lot of fun with this on the radio on Sunday morning. The the Bevel Ballers, as I have uh, affectionately nicknamed the new Detroit Lions regime, as they kick out Matt Patricia and the players love that 34-30 comeback victory over the hapless Mitch Trubisky-led Chicago Bears. Lions were down 30 to 20 with just a few minutes remaining. But Matthew Stafford, he is one of the premier comeback artists in NFL history. Top 10 at his position in terms of comeback victories all time in the NFL. He adds another one to his belt. And this team, led by Stafford's 402 yards, three touchdowns, they look reinvigorated under Daryl Bevel, Pat. And what do you know? The Lions perform well on offense despite not having Kenny Galladay and DeAndre Swift. The Lions are, it's because the Lions are really good on offense, Russ. And they have I say a lot of that talent. Even we, can st- we can still play the game, right? How many carries did Adrian Peterson have? Which, again, with an injured backfield, still 16 carries, still Nash, another two touchdowns. Back to back multi touchdown weeks. <laughs> Unbelievable. Is he the only, he might be the only running back in the, in the league that's done that the last two weeks? Yeah, I don't think anybody's yeah. had two touchdowns in the last in both games the last two weeks. I don't think that's happened. I know he joined like some another amazing list of all time games with multiple touchdowns. It's 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 one of those seasons for Adrian Peterson where like he's st- it's awesome because he's still good enough to get meaningful playing time, and then you can get those nice little oh yeah, Adrian Peterson's been like the best player of our gener- best running back of our generation. <laughs> little tweets sitting out on the stat line. I like that. Awesome, awesome. But I mean. Detroit Lions, they've got great receivers, and obviously they've got a great quarterback with a rocket arm. This is what you love to see from guys. Marvin Jones, TJ Hawkinson, Sanu is still great, got the talent. Amendola's been doing it forever. Getting receptions of 25, 24, 49, 23, 21 yards. This is what the offense has been capable of, is what Stafford's arm is capable of. They need to let him loose. Beautiful. It It was a game for me personally that I feel like as many points as there were, Kind of got lost in me. Had to go back and watch all the highlights of this game, but it was beautiful. The Bears. I mean, do we talk about the travesty that's the Bears giving 10 carries to Cordell Patterson in the most uncreative ways? Just no no spark plays at all. 21 yards was the longest play they got on offense all game. I mean... Like I just read out, and the then their defense is bad now, Pat. The defense isn't good anymore, and that's it. That's well, when your problem. offense, <laughs> when your offense does what they do, it kind of makes your, you know, kind of hurts. Makes in there. your like defense Hicks, think. Did why he, do we even did he try? Play? Did Akeem was Hicks out again? He was. Akeem Hicks was out again. Huge loss. Oh no, he played. He played. Just didn't record well, a stat, you know. So yeah, that's, uh, yeah. So just inexplicably had, had two tackles on the day. Uh, you get like two tackles out of Eddie Jackson. Well, do we even get anything out of Khalil Mack? Nope, he did not show up on the stat sheet. So, for the Chicago Bears, who have now entered their longest losing streak since dropping eight in a row back in 2002, I'll, I'll let you know something. The early 2000s Bears are looking a lot like the late 2020-aughts 20, 20 and 2020-teens uh, 20, Bears going into 2020. I don't know what you do here. Matt Nagy just lost to a team uh, that is now tied with him in the standings and also just fired their general manager and GM, general manager and head coach. So Matt Nagy might be looking across the sideline thinking, whew, might be giving up this headset very, very soon. Like, you cannot blow a 10-point lead with, like, five, six minutes left in the game. It's just not something At you can let happen. Against the worst team in your division. It's, it's, it's horrible. They had won all five games in the Matt Nagy era against the Detroit Lions. Matt Patricia had uh, never been able to get it done 
against uh, his in division foes. But first time out for Daryl Bevel. Defensive genius. <laughs> Moment of silence for that one right there. Moment of silence. And how about this? Trubisky was perfect. Not perfect, but, you know, didn't turn the ball over <laughs> until you get to the exact key moment where you need him to not make a mistake. And what does Romeo Aquara do? Gets a little strip sack, gets the job done. and uh, But you know what? They got another big run. The Bears did. So there you go. How about that for Chicago? Moving along to the rest of the 1 p.m. slate. Let's look at Taysom Hill here, who is um, slowly but surely making me eat the take that he does not belong amongst the 32 starting quarterbacks in the National Football League. Taysom Hill, 21-16 victory for the New Orleans Saints over the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, pretty much controlled this one the whole game. There wasn't a lot of storylines that came out of this one, Pat. To me, it just kind of ho-hum. The Saints are who they are. Number one team still in the standings across the NFC. They got a big bump from uh, allowing the from the NFL making the Broncos play that game last week without a quarterback. So they're now 10-2 and two with a firm one-game lead um, across the standings. So to me... Once with Drew Brees hopefully returning next week, it's the same old story every single year for the Saints. I know you were down on them before the season, didn't quite think they had it. I have not really ever bought in over the past couple years because it just seems somehow, some way, they get some heartbreaking defeat in the playoffs, but they keep chugging along, get to ten and two, and hold a firm lead, a uh, firm one game lead over the Packers with a with a head to head matchup in hand. Should they need that tiebreaker, I. Still don't love the Saints, but Russ, I kind of like the Saints more with Taysom Hill than hmm. Drew Brees. And wait, hold on, I gotta correct myself. The Saints lost to the Packers, so if they do end up tied in the standings at the end of the year, the Packers would get that that uh, that nod. But why? Why? What you like in Taysom Hill more than Drew Brees? Enlighten me. Because when the Saints have Taysom Hill, it makes them a little bit more unpredictable on mm-hmm. offense, and I think it opens them up much more. And then the obvious thing, though, with Drew Brees is when you when you get down in the game, when your defense has a bad game, you obviously much rather have the Hall of Fame Drew Brees, who's going to be able to throw you out of a game much more much more likely than Taysom Hill is. But from the start of a game, if your defense is playing great, if you're trying to control that game, when you have the legs of Taysom Hill, and look, I think Sean Payton intentionally challenged him to throw the ball a lot this game. 27 for 37 for 232. Wasn't crazy efficient with the with how uh, well he threw the ball, but he took care of the ball. He was efficient enough. I like Taysom Hill. I think he does just enough. Hmm. And and when their defense can control the game, I really do like it. And let's like I want to say the Falcons are not a joke of a team. The Falcons played really really well last week. They have new energy behind the new coach. They've played they've played good ball behind the new coach. Vegas was weary on this game. They had minus three for the Saints. They covered that a little. It was kind of a weird game, but I think the Saints in the dog days of the year. I'm I'm impressed with Taysom Hill more so than I am with them and Drew Brees. It's it's compelling, Pat. Like I, I've I've joked about Taysom Hill that whole experiment the last couple of years, but last season in the playoffs, who was the better quarterback against the Minnesota Vikings? Taysom Hill from the New Orleans Saints. And those chips are down moments when you have to make athletic plays, when you have to have versatility within your offense, especially against the best teams and the best schematic coaches in the NFL in the playoffs. Taysom Hill could be that type of different weapon, different aspect that Drew Brees just can't give you. The Saints, over the last two years, without Brees, are undefeated. They're 8-0, which is really insane. I would 
I'd have to research this more, but I would be remiss to think that there is any two-year stretch where a team misses their starting quarterback for eight games and they win every single one of them. So hats off to Taysom Hill. Did a great job here. Tossed his first two touchdowns of his career. Um, played a very clean game, 232 yards. Not very efficient, like you said, 6.3 yards per attempt, but had a career-long 43-yard uh, scamper. So, like I said, like you said as well, the versatility he gives you that Drew Brees just can't at this stage of his career um, can really end up making things a lot easier for this football team. Moving along in the um, in the 1 p.m. slates, what do we want to tackle here? What do we want to get to? Oh, we go with a little uh, little Baker. Little Baker's dozen action here. Little first half Baker. 38 to 7 blitzing in the first half by the Cleveland Browns. So here's a little story. I was I was talking to my dad yesterday. We had Tom Brady out and I had Carson Wentz in the lineup. And I was like, all right, I can't I can't start Carson Wentz consciously. You can't do it. And I was like, all right, Dad, playing the matchups here. I think we gotta start Baker Mayfield. They're gonna have to score points. Tennessee's defense not very good. Use the play action, and oh boy, Pat, did they use that play action? Big deep shot. Uh, I believe at the beginning of the second quarter that was the highlight of my day because things really went downhill with the Bengals game after that. But when he hit Donovan Peoples-Jones on that awesome 13 personnel look, they sell the play fake beautifully. Peoples-Jones sticks the cut into the middle of the field, goes back up the outside. He's wide open. This kind of encapsulated this whole game as the Browns had a comfortable almost obviously insurmountable league going into halftime. They didn't play well coming out of the break. We're outscored 28-3 to by the Tennessee Titans. Just goes to show you that Mike Rabel's crew does not quit. But Baker Mayfield, similar fashion to a few weeks ago against Cincinnati Bengals, just flamethrower with time to – just time to bake. Bake anything back there in the pocket. 25-33, Pat, for 334 and four touchdowns. I'm loving, I'm loving my Browns call. And, I mean, think about Your this. Your Browns playoffs. They're, they're, they're 98%. They're almost there, Pat. They're almost there. Let me rewind the clock about 30 minutes here to the very last seconds of the Steelers game right before I got onto this. My parents are home right now. I was watching the game with them. And my mom, a very reactionary fan, was <laughs> like, oh, now we, they might not win the playoffs now. Like, they really have to go. And I was like, okay, mom, shut up. Like, obviously they're going to win the playoffs. And then she was like, but the, the Browns are 9-3. and three. I mean, Hey, hey, the Steelers fumble a couple other games against the Colts or Bills here and there. We have a we might have a week 17 showdown, Russ, between the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers that decides decides a division. That's right. Decides a lot. It's a very possible thing. I mean, the Browns have looked great. This was really a prove it game for the Browns. Are you good game? They uh, lost to the Raiders in in a sloppy, sloppy game. I was very high on the Raiders earlier in the year because of that game. And uh, they've gone on a little bit of a run. They've turned it around a little bit. They've won the games they're supposed to. I don't know. Maybe the Titans are are a fake team. Maybe the entire AFC South is kind of fake. It's a horrible. But, uh, that was a horrible matchup for the Browns. It's a I, like everybody was picking the Titans all week, especially on the shows this weekend. Almost I was everybody all over them, all, all over the, the Browns. Yeah, yeah, you were on the Browns. We talked about that last week, but you and I were on them, and I didn't hear really anybody making the case for the Browns, who coming into this game a much better offensive line than the Titans boast a defensive line. So you knew they were going to be able to control the trenches in that aspect. And so as soon as Kevin Stefanski realized that they weren't going to be able to bring pressure in empty sets. He was like, "All right, Baker, we're gonna let we're gonna let you sit back there and go to work." He was loving his his number one target, Richard Hollywood Higgins, all day long, 
and 11 points off of a perfect passer rating in this game. Baker Mayfield, when you give him time in the pocket, he will go out there and rain down fire. But like it wasn't just time in the pocket. He was making some serious throws. Um, I know the touchdown in the back of the end zone. I think that was to Jarvis Landry. He hit in the back of the end zone. It was either Landry or Higgins. And then uh, my favorite play of the day, though, just beautiful play design on that deep shot to Peoples-Jones. And then the goal line, um, Kendall Lamb, big boy touchdown from the offensive tackle on another play action look. Great stuff from Kevin Stefanski. He is right there neck and neck with your guy, Mike Tomlin, I think, for coach of the year. Cruising along in the scoreboard. Let's see. What do we want to dabble in right here? We got. We just went through the Browns and the Titans. Let's go with another bad one here. And this one wasn't that bad. Vikings, Jaguars. This was a fun one here. Jaguars start off this game with the wildest touchdown pass I've seen, I think, all season, where Mike Glennon throws it into double coverage. It hits two Vikings, one on the hands, one on the helmet, and then bounces behind both of them into the waiting arms of LaVisca Chenault, who was just sitting in the end zone watching it all happen. Was not enough, though, Pat, for the Jaguars to pull off the upset. There was a lot of drama going into the witching hour between the top two teams in the current 2021 draft order to see if that was going to be shaking up with the Jets and Jaguars leading late. But they both end up losing as uh, Mike Glennon looked a lot more like the Mike Glennon we all know this week, tossing a pair of interceptions. And don't look now, but Kirk Cousins is playing like one of the premier top seven to top ten quarterbacks in the NFL, especially when he's got a weapon like Justin Jefferson, who is steaming up the Offensive Rookie of the Year leaderboards. Yeah, it's just like uh, second verse, same as the first, right? Like last three weeks, we've been pl- telling the same story about the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Them playing some crazy game against a sub, you know, kind of a terrible opponent with Justin Jefferson going crazy. And Kirk yeah, Cousins I think I said the same thing really about well Cousins last week, where he was like seventh right? in composite EPA and um, overall, uh, it was seventh overall in efficiency um, by Ben Baldwin. Yeah, I mean, I. I think I was going to say the exact same thing I was going to say last week, which was Justin Jefferson is just earning hard, tough yards. He's such a polished receiver, and in the Vikings, such a win with that pick. The Jaguars, I don't, I love LaVisca Chanel. He is so fun, so electric. Hopefully the Jaguars can have a little bit more excitement around him so that he can be featured and be more of a star in the league. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else to say about the Jags, though. I think they're kind of a moot point at this point, but... um. I just saw this. I I'll be I'll admit this was also one of the other one o'clock games. Probably this in the Lions game. I saw the least of at the time. Look at this stat line from Dalvin Cook: thirty-two carries, hundred and twenty yards. His longest carry was twenty or was twelve yards. Twelve yards. Pound. Those are rock. some hard tough. That's a hard tough game on Dalvin Cook. hundred and twenty carries, or I'm I can't speak. Thirty-two <laughs> carries, hundred and twenty yards, longest one. 12 yards. That is that's hard tough round on Dalvin Cook. Good for you. He he deserves two massages on the team for that one. There you go. There you go. He thought he he probably thought he might be getting a little bit of a rest this week going up against Jacksonville, but another week in the NFL. Any given Sunday, these teams play very hard and uh I believe that's the end of my slate. Am I right, Pat? Or no, I have uh or do, am I doing Raiders You've got Jets? a big one. I got the Raiders yeah, Jets. Yeah. That's right. I do. I have the Greg Williams special, the Cover Zero special. It's been driven into everyone's brains on this beautiful Monday uh in the news cycle. Greg Williams. Um he was the defensive coordinator of the Jets and they decided to blitz on the final play of the game in uh an unprecedented instance. ESPN Stats and Info went back and looked at this, Pat. The 
instance that they were in, up four to eight points with uh, with right around 30 seconds to play. Here we go. 252 pass plays meeting this exact criteria right here. Final 15 seconds, down four to eight points, 40-plus yards to the end zone. They were the first defense to send six-plus pass rushers in that situation in the last 15 seasons. All-time stupid move by Greg Williams, and it got him fired this morning as the Jets... People joked them tank them trying to tank their way to this loss, but it was just sad. It's just another sad day for the Jets. You feel bad for their fans, the players. Just and not really their fans. The fans wanted them to lose, but you feel bad for the players, everybody within the building. Uh, do you feel bad? I, I don't. It was just. <laughs> I don't know. It was inexplicable. It was, it was very similar. You, you think to one last of the players year. would have been like, "Hey guys, maybe we shouldn't." shouldn't listen to this play call or maybe adam gase the head coach would be like hey wait maybe we shouldn't do this but i like the theory that greg williams intentionally did it just so adam gase goes 0 and 16 i think that's a pretty good theory i don't it's very reminiscent of last year i don't know if remember the monday night game the steelers dolphins when the steelers were down like three touchdowns and right before the half on a third and 20 the dolphins did a very similar thing steelers drop the ball down go to the end zone the start of the tank, it was awful. What are the Raiders? I mean, this is how bad have the Raiders played in recent weeks? And they're very close to becoming to being a playoff team. They're going in the wrong direction, it seems, in their quality of play. Two straight weeks. Just I mean, this is basically equal to, you know, an equal performance of a thirty point loss to the Falcons, don't you think? I get, so the, so let me get this straight, Pat. The Raiders this year in two games have outscored the Chiefs, right? Yeah, they've compositely outscored the Chiefs. And in their past two games against teams with a combined 4-20 and record, they have given up 73 points to and been healthily outscored. So, like, it's just... It's just weird. It's just a weird season. The Raiders, like I said last week in our recap show, I will not be trusting until they can prove uh, they can consistently put together a week-to-week game plan. Like that offense, or excuse me, the defense is so bad. They don't have any blue chippers right now. Jonathan Abram, people act like he was, people just looked at him from his hard knocks fame, I think a couple years ago, and have carried that over the past two years. He has been a sieve on defense. Thank thank the Lord they got Darren Waller out there because you know what, Pat? Like, if you're the Jets and you're looking at the the Raiders, who uh, who don't really have a premier pass catching option, they don't have Josh Jacobs in this game. Who do you think they might be trying to get the ball to a lot early and very often throughout the contest? Might might be their their best pass catching option overall, Darren Waller, right? Oh well, you know the Jets just let him get 17 targets for 13 catches, 200 yards and two touchdowns. It's inexcusable. You pair that up with the cover zero call out of old Greg Williams, who acts like he's some great coordinator. Meanwhile, the Jets are in the bottom third of defense in the NFL, just like they're in the bottom third of almost every statistical category. That's what you get when you are an 0-12 team, Pat. Let's play the game. How many carries did Frank Gore get? Like two or three. He got injured early, didn't he? Right. And what happened? The Jets had 206 yards on the ground. Ty Johnson, 22 for 104. Josh Adams, 8 for 74. They were going crazy on the ground, Russ. Look what happens when you don't give the 39-year-old just tortoise of a running back, Frank Gore. Unbelievable what happens. Hyperdrive is real. Hyperdrive is real. Here we go. Josh, Josh Adams is 24. 
Ty Johnson is 23. They are a combined, what, 10 years older combined than Frank Gore? <laughs> like, what are we doing, Jets? Play the young players. You're terrible. Like, I'm so done with the Jets, Pat. Moving on. You take the reins. Awesome, awesome. So let's finish up that 1 o'clock slate. Um, this was one of my personal underdog specials of the week, Russ. Houston Texans, Indianapolis Colts, Phil Rivers, and his cane and all gets across the finish line of this one. 26-20, the Colts prevail. Jonathan Taylor, he was great. T.Y. Hilton actually looked pretty great in this game. Death taxes T.Y. against the Texans, Pat. T.Y. against the Texans. That's it. That's it. But I don't know. I, I'm just still not sold on the Colts. I was all over. Just Deshaun Watson has been fantastic. He's been so fun. Keeping the team interesting. Keeping the team alive. The Colts are just doing just enough to stay 8-4. and four. You know, they're beating who they should beat. Yep. But uh, I don't have a lot to say about this game. This seems like the one game that pretty much went to script, kind of like that Saints-Falcons game. Things kind of just happened the way people thought they'd happen. Hey, Pat, remember when the uh, when the genius Bill O'Brien gave Randall Cobb, like, I think it was like 18 mil. it was like three years, 18 million, and it was like almost all guaranteed, and uh, just passed over Kiki Cootie for his slot receiver option. Well, he stepped in for, uh, I think it was an angel Randall Cobb, and had eight catches for 141 yards. So, claps to Bill O'Brien, still uh, having big effects on this team uh, a couple months after his departure. I mean, let's not forget about the uh, Brandon Cooks contract he also agreed to take. Yeah, yeah, Brandon Cooks, he was great today. Really, really impactful. Five catches, 65 yards, no touchdowns. Awesome. Good stuff. <laughs> David Johnson, 10, car- 10 carries, 44 yards. Hey, he got in the end zone, though, as he returns. Uh, from I think I think it was a concussion or something like that over the past few weeks, but Deshaun Watson first interception, and in, I believe almost two months time he had thrown over 200 passes without an interception. It was the longest streak in the NFL currently. Didn't have a touchdown in this game. That Matt Eberflus defense, man, he is so good at game planning, getting his ho hum bunch all together, playing on the same page. They really. Needed DeForest Buckner last week. They missed him a lot against the Tennessee Titans. He came back off the COVID list and performed valiantly. Two tackles for loss, two sacks, four overall in the tackle mark. Like you said, Pat, Phillip Rivers just continues to take what they give him. They ran a couple really nice mess concepts in this game. One on the Jonathan Taylor um, wheel route where they had the mesh running on the on the wide receivers on each side of the, um, of the tackle boxes. Confused the corners in the middle of the field. You have Jonathan Taylor running free down the sideline. That was an easy touchdown. And then they also um, hit T.Y. Hilton out of the mesh concept as well for his touchdown in this game. So Frank Reich really leaning into his favorite types of plays. They get the job done very well here as the Colts almost sealed up, I think. Yeah, they have sealed up a um, – yeah, basically sealed up a chance at the playoffs in the AFC. 70% right now, not necessarily sealed, sealed, but if they're able to get the job done against Las Vegas, that'll shoot all the way up to 90%, which with how the Raiders are playing, very good chance of that happening. I'd agree. I'd agree. So let's just move along from that game. Let's move on to the teaser buster of the week. This might be the actual biggest upset of the week. I'm not sure what. Maybe I think it was Raiders points. It was the only. Was it was the only double digit, um, or oh, biggest upset of the season? I think Raiders Chiefs was the biggest upset of the season. But this has got to be top three. Was it? This was eleven and a half. We, you know, the game I'm talking about. Colt McCoy 
leading the mighty Joe Judge Giants, the New York football giants across the country into Seattle. 17-12. We asked a question last week, Russ. This is the game that, that many will point to to answer the question, Are the is the Giants defense good? Is the Giants defense actually good? I think they're, they're actually pretty good. Holding Russ to a very modest game, only one touchdown, really did a good job containing the big plays on everybody. All the electric receivers and playmakers that the Seattle Seahawks have, they did just enough to keep this game just ugly enough to keep Colt McCoy in it, who, with only 105 yards, is going to get the big win. He looked like a real old-school quarterback out there, didn't he, Russ? With the, with the loose sleeves, the old-school helmet, the old-school chin strap. He looked great. <laughs> he, he looked... He looked dapper. Didn't didn't play very well, Pat. As uh, as old Colt on the day was a stellar four point eight yards per attempt and negative two point negative point two nine expected points added per dropback. So didn't get a lot of production out of Colt. But like you said, the defense came through. Um, held a uh, they were facing a massive five nothing deficit at halftime. I can't say I've seen many five nothing halftime leads in my life. But this New York Giants team. In the past uh, four weeks, when you take out garbage time, they are the number three defense in the NFL, right behind the Pittsburgh Steelers, San Francisco 49ers, and a shade ahead of the Browns, Packers, and Saints. They have been for real. Now, over the season, those stats aren't necessarily going to bear that out, so they're still in the bottom half of the league right now defensively, but Joe Judge is building a strong culture. They play so well, so connected, similar to what Matt Eberflus does with his unit, and guys like Jabril Peppers have bought in. Leonard Williams is starting to turn things around and find some answers deep into his career. Like they, They've just paired the draft picks, the trades, and the free agent signings very well this year. i got to tip my cap to Dave Gettleman. He has done a good job of putting that group together. He's let Joe Judge mold it well. And if Daniel Jones can keep the ball on his uh, – can keep the keep – the, Turnover sheet clean, so to say, down the stretch of the season, and hopefully they get him back this week. Then they should, um, they should not necessarily comfortably win the NFC East because we just got done talking about the Washington Football Team pulling off the only victory against the Steelers this season. But they're going to be in a battle with Washington, and like I mentioned, they have the 2-0 lead on them in the season series, so they will have that tiebreaker 100% should it come down to a uh, split decision at the end of the season. Uh, what should they do with Saquon Barkley? They are we going to stop much... picking running backs in the top 20, Pat? Are we going to see that again? We'll, we'll see enough. it again, but I don't. it's super stupid, I would say. Super dumb. Top, I mean, top five. Uh-huh. They, so the New York Giants today without Saquon Barkley, 31 carries for 190 yards. I mean, Barry Sanders was a great running back, Russell, but uh, he never led that Lions team to, to any playoff wins. Did exactly. He? And Wayne Gallman, who's been on their team, they've been burying him on the bench the last like three, four years. I, I know I know, because every time Saquon Barkley gets hurt, it's like, all right, just sheepishly pick up Wayne Gallman, I guess. He goes out there 16 toasts for 135 yards. You don't need to take running backs with top five picks, especially with top five picks. You don't need to take them in the, run- in the first round, but especially with top five picks, because as soon as you take a running back with the – Incentive structure for rookie contracts in the top five, they immediately become a top five paid player at their position. So you don't have any value that you get from a guy um, on a minimum deal coming off the street giving you production, like, say, uh, James Robinson that the Jaguars got. 
in uh, in in unrestricted or draft free agency this past uh, this past April and May. So 17-12 victory for the Giants, Pat. And meanwhile, right when we think the Seattle Seahawks might be having their hat in the ring for best team in the NFC. It's the same thing. Same story with the Rams. Same thing with this NFC West. We cannot find the best team in that division. Well, let's move it right along since you had the perfect segue. Let's move it along. Rams, Cardinals. Mm -hmm. Since you mentioned the Rams in that muddy division, who is the best team? I believe the Rams are still the best team. 38-28 victory over the rival Arizona Cardinals. I mean, this game was a little bit worse than the score, too, Russ. 38-28. The Rams, the Rams kind of dominated this game. It was more 38-14, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rams kind of dominated this game. And it was good to see. It, I've been high on the Rams all year. It's been nice to see Cam Akers finally contributing a little bit, putting some efficient work in. I was super high on him. Drafted him way too high in fantasy. Dropped him. I know no one cares. But, um... It was a good win by the Rams. Their defense played really well, really rattled Kyler Murray a lot. Um, again, 28 points. They got lucky. Garbage garbage time touchdown in that. The Rams can make a run. I, I'm going to commit to it now. The Rams are a great team, and they can make a run. Even though they're capable of a, a lower floor than most of the other great teams, they're just so talented, and they're so electric. When the team gets going, there's a swag around them. It's, just, it's great to watch. Training wheels back on for old Jared, Pat. A week after Sean McVay was not too thrilled with him turning the ball over, he did not attempt to pass 20-plus yards downfield, only attempted six passes more than 10 yards downfield. So they were not letting him screw this game up. Did a great job, though, in the role that he was playing. 37-47, 351 yards, one touchdown, and no disastrous turnovers. Meanwhile, his counterpart on the other side of the ball, Kyler Murray, was horrible the entire Cardinals offense terrible again they should really be on a five-game losing streak without the Hale Murray play a couple weeks back they are cratering on that side of the ball 3.7 yards per play Murray only averaged 4.4 yards per attempt and that's including a 59-yard touchdown to open the game to Dan Arnold like he's getting good protection but he just can't seem to push the ball down the field and with this shoulder injury, if he's not running the ball, Pat, this offense is nothing. It's inept, and that's yeah. a big problem, especially if you're thinking for the rest of his career, they can't get any offense going unless he's running the football. That's not a spot you want to be in, and we've only seen that really work one time lightning in a bottle during Cam Newton's 2015 MVP season. Other than that, it has not been a way to get to, the, uh, get to, get to a spot to win the Lamarty Trophy. You make a very fair point. I was going to give the Arizona Cardinals a slight pass and Kyler a slight pass because I do think the Rams' defense is just fantastic. It's a horrible matchup, man. It's a, especially it in the passing game because they love the Rams. Or excuse me, the Cardinals love to split three three guys wide and then have DeAndre Hopkins on an island, kind of play iso ball with him and uh, Kyler Murray. And when you do that, you basically take away one half of the field for your for your offense against the Rams because Jalen Ramsey covered you'll see in this Electric. game covered Hopkins on 34 of his 40 routes and he had six catches for 36 yards on 11 targets so that is half of the field taken out by Ramsey he is earning and that paycheck Pat plus Aaron Donald's ability to get that pressure right yeah. up the middle and yeah. the Rams ability in general to get that pressure right up the middle it it 
causes issues for all types of quarterbacks, but especially the smaller ones like Murray and Russell. It's a very nice weapon to have in that division. Yeah, now the 6-6 six and six Vikings, who were once 1-5. I was really regretting picking them to win a division, but they might just end up sneaking into a playoff spot. They currently hold the last wild card seed at the 7th spot after the Rams, or excuse me, not the Rams, the Cardinals fall out of contention. 538 now has Arizona with just a 34% chance to make the dance. Yep, yeah. All right. Well, that was a really, really fun, young, offensive-minded, great coaching matchup that last one was. That last game was a great coaching matchup. Let's move it along to another coaching matchup. (laughs) Bill Belichick versus Anthony Lynn. How do you think that one went, Russ? I I was listening to Warren Sharp on one of the Ringer podcasts last week, and he, when previewing this game, he said this is quite possibly the biggest coaching matchup, coaching mismatch, mismatch, in NFL history, and uh, it played out that way. 45 nothing for the Patriots. I don't even know how, like, the box score doesn't make sense. How did they get 45 points I'll, I'll when go they ahead. only had, like, 200 yards of offense? 300, they did have 300 hidden yards of Cam offense. Cam Newton but. had 24 more yards passing than they had than they scored points. It's a, Like, that's amazing. 69 yards passing for one touchdown for old, old Cam the man Newton. But he moved the ball well, had two touchdowns on the ground. They pull out the old single wing. The true story of this game, though, Pat, was the mismatch in special teams. The Los Angeles Chargers, after this game, according to Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders, are on pace to have the worst special teams DVOA in the history of their database, uh, eclipsing the 2009 Buffalo Bills. The Patriots scored on a punt return for a touchdown in this game by uh, old Gunnar Olszewski, uh, the, uh, I think that's uh, Bemidji State, undrafted player at a Bemidji State two years ago, Pat. Old Bill Belichick, he finds those diamonds in the rough. So they had him return a touchdown, uh, a play for a touchdown. You have um, a blocked punt for a touchdown, you have a uh, a 38-yard pass to Gunnar Olszewski from Jared Stidham in, in crunch time. Nick Folk hit a field goal. You had a blocked field goal as well. So, like, just all, all around bad news. And when your special teams is that bad, it's just an indictment on one Anthony Lynn, Pat. That's all it is. It's tough to say. When you're getting asked questions in the post-game news conference of, do you think you will have this job on Monday? Things are not going well for the 3-9 and nine Los Angeles Chargers. <laughs> That's a tough question to get in the press arrest. Do you have a good answer for that one? You're the you're the media major. What what would the answer be to that question? I, it's I I would I would probably I would <laughs> give exactly. I would give what Matt Nagy gave on Sunday in his post game press conference when someone asked him, Coach, why do you guys keep collapsing so so much deep into the season over the past couple of years? And Matt Nagy responded with, I don't know. I just don't know. If only there was a common denominator. (laughs) A man defeated as the Los Angeles Chargers special teams was. And and, and as I was, who stupidly thought that Justin Herbert could help me get to the fantasy playoff promised land this weekend, he was Belichick as the unbelievable head coach is now 21-5 against first or second year quarterbacks. Thought Justin Herbert had the talent to overcome that. But, Pat, turns out when you lean on the deep ball and the big shot plays as much as Justin Herbert has, it uh, doesn't end up playing out very well over the course of a full season as, uh, as our guy Justin Herbert has fallen off starting, uh, starting, over the, starting in Week 10, honestly, after that a great Week 2 through 9 start. We have just not seen the same performance of Justin Herbert. 50.5% success rate in weeks 2 through 9, 0.216 EPA per play, and 70% completion. 
But over the past month, he is down to negative 0.01 EPA per play, just a 42% success rate and 62% completion. So the Viking or not the Vikings, the Chargers got to probably got to get rid of Anthony Wynn swiftly in the offseason to make sure he doesn't do any more damage to the young QB. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just they gave him a great chance. He's a great leader. He seems like he'd be a great coordinator, but he's certainly not a great head. He's coach. the classic. He's seems making. like a great he's guy. Just, seems like a great yeah, he's, guy. He is classic. I'd love to have. I'd love to have a drink with him. It really go. be a fun time. We got one more game, I believe, in, in the four o'clock slate, in the late afternoon slate. It was a sucker bet, folks. Accepted hit. Accepted hit. Aaron Rodgers, his record as a favorite or whatever was in November, it continues. But the bigger story, I believe, is on the other side of the field with the Philadelphia Eagles after the 30-16 to loss. It was funny. I, I read an article uh, on ESPN about how Carson Wentz got benched for Jalen Hurts. And in one of the first paragraphs of the article, it mentioned how Jalen Hurts outperformed Carson Wentz with the fantastic stat line of 5 for 12, 109 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. Also got sacked a few times. Brutal, brutal, brutal game for the Eagles. I thought they had something left as a team. I thought they had some heart left. Maybe the Packers were just the ultimate Grim Reaper they needed to face for them to see what is now. But do you have anything to say about this game, Ross? I'll let you take it away. Not much more to add to this one. It's been beaten to death all afternoon. But Carson Wentz, 5.3 yards per attempt. Jalen Hurts, 9.1 yards per attempt. Carson Wentz, no touchdowns. Jalen Hurts got in the end zone in this game. So, to me, Jalen Hurts is your starter the rest of the season. It's a lost year anyways. I don't think Carson Wentz can be saved. He doesn't look ready to play football right now, let alone lead a, lead a football team. So, I think you go ahead and see what you have in Jalen Hurts. Figure out... If Doug Peterson can design an offense the rest of the season, um, see where your chips fall at the end of uh, December and figure it out from there. But, man, Carson Wentz, that cap number the rest of uh, the next two years is brutal to look at. Although there is Frank Reich in Indianapolis. Maybe he thinks he can maybe save him, tap into that 2017 magic. But even in 2017, like the guy was hitting on third downs at a historically unsustainable rate. It's obvious back then. It's been very obvious the past couple of years as that rate has gone down and the collapse of Carson Wentz has ensued. On the flip side, though, Pat, to give some praise to Aaron Rodgers, was the um, was one of the highest passing grades given to a quarterback in PFF's database going back to 2006, earned a 97.1 grade. He was absolutely flawless, 88.7 yards per attempt, 295 through the year, and three touchdowns another Sunday. Another receiving touchdown by Devontae Adams, who just like cannot be guarded. Had 10 catches, 121 yards, two touchdowns. The Green Bay Packers, when they play like that, man, they, they cannot be beat by anybody in the NFC. I agree. I love the Packers when they play like that. When Aaron Rodgers is on like that, I absolutely love it. I completely agree with you, Russ. Let's go to the last one. You want to round it out? Let's round it out. Sunday night, the Kansas City Chiefs, the division matchup with Drew Locke and all of his swagger. And the Chiefs just refused to blow people out. They were given a, what was it, 13, 14, 15 point line in this game, wherever you may have found it, seen it, what time you got it. They weren't pretty, but they won. And that's what the Chiefs do. They win. Mahomes still put up 320 yards about. 
but not much to it. Le'Veon Bell getting some feature. It was kind of a boring game. I was really hoping I was going to see some electricity from the Chiefs. Every time I get them in prime time, I'm thinking that, you know, they're going to put up 50. We're going to see Tyreek go crazy. But pretty, pretty uh, calm game. The Chiefs, I think, have their own issues. As a Steelers fan, we just lost our first game. But there's been a lot of problems in an 11-0 season. I think if it weren't for the quarterback for Kansas City, we might be talking about similar quote-unquote problems that the Chiefs have. But wins are wins, especially with the division, right? Exactly. You just go out, get a win any way you can, actually. Drew Locke was trying to become the third Bronco quarterback ever to win a December game in Kansas City. I didn't know that the Broncos had that much trouble historically there. Only John wow. Elway, Kyle Orton, and um, and Peyton Manning have won December games in Arrowhead Stadium. So that was just a wild stat that blew my mind. But Another day at the office for Travis Kelsey, who is the scariest slot receiver in the NFL now. Eight catches, 136 yards, and a touchdown. He could not be stopped. Vic Fangio had a lot of answers on Sunday night, but he did not have answers for Travis Kelsey. Not much else to add in this game, honestly. Patrick Mahomes was a little sloppy here and there. Not as efficient as you'd like. 25 of 40. I'd like to tighten that up a little bit, but 318 yards and a touchdown. You'll usually take that any day of the week along with a win. But this is, let's just get into lane number three. And let's just just go ahead and, and toss out my uh, my fumble of the week here. Mr. Vic Fangio, who, like, it's unbelievable some of the decisions this guy makes uh, late in games. Like, when we, when we get to the end of the ball game here. So, last drive of the game, we have the Vic Fangio go out. Seven plays, 41 yards. You are down 16-19 at this point. You are facing a fourth and three at the Denver 49-yard line, going up against the most prolific offense arguably in the history of the sport, the most prolific quarterback in the history of the sport, a guy you have not been able to beat over the past few years. And you punt on fourth and three. You just turtle in what was one of the most cowardly decisions, according to the Ben Baldwin's go for it bot of the season. Like, I do not understand what the thought process was right there. And then the Chiefs proceed to go on a 10 play, milk the clock, five minute version of their offense to end the game, essentially kick another field goal and you're down six with about a minute left in the game, Pat. That was the stupidest coaching decision I see. I, I saw all weekend outside of the Greg Williams call. And for Vic Fangio to call a really good game and ruin it like that with that fourth down decision, it was just really, really frustrating. And that was my fumble of the week. What do you got for fumble? That was a great fumble of the week. And I have a couple other coaches who will probably be on the hot seat that I, I kept in mind. So honorable mention to Anthony Lynn, who probably lost his job this week. But I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because he did play the GOAT. So no fumble there. But there was another coach who's probably going to be answering very similar questions about his job, and that's Matt Nagy, who just seemingly can't win. He can't get his team to do anything right anymore. Uncreative. Uninspired a lack of attitude, everything for, for Matt Patricia to get fired and then for them to be able to, for them to blow a lead at home against the Lions in a game that really could be a deciding factor towards their playoff hope still, just an all-around absolute fumble of a season. I mean, they were gifted a 5-1 and one record against terrible opponents, but shockingly 
good crunch time play. And yeah, they played a gauntlet of a schedule late, but and he and he also, left full and he and he left Trubisky like he made that decision. He Pat he pulled the plug on Trubisky when he didn't really have to. Like there wasn't there wasn't performance based reason to pull the plug on Trubisky when he did against Atlanta. I just think everything about this week encapsulates his future with the Bears, which was just a great start and an absolute miserable finish with just a lack of with a lack of attitude and a lack of spirit all around surrounding that team. Rough stuff. Rough stuff. My MVP of the week, it was a guy that the Las Vegas Raiders had to have this type of performance just to squeak out of New York with a win. Darren Waller, fourth tight end in NFL history with 200 yards and two touchdowns in a single game. He joins Jackie Smith, Rich Caster, and Shannon Sharp in that illustrious group. One of the better stories in the NFL, um, overcame substance abuse to become one of the top three tight ends in all of the land. So hats off to Darren Waller. He carried the Las Vegas Raiders on his back. MVP, who you got, Pat? Baker Mayfield. The Mm -hmm. Browns, the question, are they good? Baker, can he do it against the right teams? When he's comfortable, he's a fantastic. He's electric. He's got the attitude. 25 for 33. 334, four touchdowns. Baker was great. He was electric. If he plays like this, Browns would be hard to beat. That they will. That they will. First Cleveland quarterback to toss four first-half touchdowns since the great Otto Graham back in 1951. Fans are feeling those 1950s Browns vibes a lot more nowadays with the team healthily over 500. For Patrick Fetch, I'm Russ Seltman. That closes out another recap NFL edition of Riding the 3 by 3 We'll be back on Thursday with our weekend preview, diving into some more sports Have a great midweek, everybody.